Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Good morning. Hi, fam. Hey, I see some people I haven't seen in a minute. That makes me so happy. Welcome. I am Lisa Bates. I am part of the teaching team here. I have the privilege of filling in and participating in some sermon series. Um, And as Chase introduced to you last week, we have started a new one called Misconceptions. And um, as God does, how many of you all know he has a a really great sense of humor? Like, please tell me that you know how funny our God is, okay? Because as he always does, as I was preparing for this sermon, he decided to plop me right into the thick of what he wants me to teach you. Ah, I love that. (laughs) So what I uh, was feeling led to speak about today... The whole point of today is to stop thinking in the way that we like to think, which is formulas and systems. We are creatures of comfort. We are creatures of habits and goals and numeric things we can keep track of. And instead, to follow Holy Spirit. So guess what he told me I had to do today? not prepare a thing. I like to spend weeks processing, writing it all down, you know, coagulating all the information, and then kind of whatever highlights out of that is what Holy Spirit talks to me about. And I said, okay, all right, I guess I'm not going to have anything ready, but can I at least, like, make a slide? I mean, I like to make slides. My background is in graphic design, so I like to make my slides. And he, and I started making one. I was like, let me at least put the point of today on one slide, just one slide. He said, daughter, I said, nothing. Prepare nothing. Okay. I call myself a recovering perfectionist for a reason. But recently I read that Perfectionism is actually just your best efforts being rejected. We are insecure about our best efforts being rejected, and that is absolutely me. I don't want to come up here and try to talk to you about something and have you walk away and go, ugh, what was that? I did not want to hear that, or I did not want to, to listen to what she had to say, or, no, I'm, I'm just not even going to listen at all. I don't think what you're saying is true, so let me just, it feels so personal to me. I take it so personally that you would reject me as if somehow this is all my idea, which it's not, <laughs> right? It is not my idea to get up here um, to talk in front of you at all, let alone unprepared. So I was praying and processing some more this morning, like, okay, can you just give me like a glimpse, like just kind of, can I see a little bit? And he shared with me what he showed me on Thursday when he first told me he wasn't going to let me prepare anything. 
I was describing to my husband, I was panicked when he said, no, don't prepare anything. So the first thing I do is go, okay, is that really him? Like, let me ask somebody and see if, if they know. And I know my husband can hear from him too. So I'm like, okay, you, you pray too and let me know, is that God? Did God actually say that? Because this is crazy. And uh, he comes back and he goes, yep, I heard that it's him. That's what he's telling you to do. And I said, oh, it feels like I'm at the top of this roller coaster, and I hate roller coasters. <laughs> I'm at the top of this roller coaster in a cart in the dark, in the pitch dark. And as soon as I said that to him, all of a sudden, I see Jesus sitting next to me in the cart of the roller coaster, and he's glowing. And I can see just a little bit in front of me, just that, like, you know, when there's a good lantern or flashlight, you can just kind of see a few feet in front of you. And that's all he was showing me. But the look on his face, he looked at me and he goes, this is going to be so good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if you say so. <laughs> but recently, um, I heard uh, a neurotheologian, Dr. Jim Wilder, that I really love to read and learn from, um, I heard him speak, and he was saying that whenever he is feeling, whatever he's feeling, he looks for God's face. And that's ultimately what Emmanuel is, right? It's about God being with us. But sometimes we kind of think about Emmanuel as like, well, there's a presence. You know, I can kind of feel he's here. Or somebody says something, and it kind of resonates in my spirit, and I go, okay, yeah, I get that. But what I've been learning and trying to share with you all what I've been learning is really to hone in on what is the expression? How does he feel about me or the situation on his face? And not everyone sees a face, and that's okay. I have a good friend of mine who was describing how he appears to her in lights and colors. When she goes to seek his presence and sit with him, it's just bright lights and colors and different things. For other people, it's music. It doesn't have to be the same thing for each and every person. But the fact of the matter is, is that he wants us to notice his expression. And so this Dr. Jim Wilder, what he said was, I've learned to look for God's face. And if God is worried, then I'll be worried. Oh, and that struck me so deep. Like, okay, God, if you're worried about this, then I'll be worried about this. And I realize what we're actually describing, again, as I was processing that more this morning, is peace, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about God's presence. His signature is peace, the Prince of Peace, and he will be with us in the midst of whatever we're going through. So even when we are suffering by speaking in front of people with nothing prepared, I have peace. And I can actually see his expression, and he's proud of me. So the whole point of today, besides practicing the peace, and I'm going to come back to that, but the whole point of today was for us to think about in what ways are we using formulas, in what ways are we using comforts, in what ways are we using tools to manage our lives, instead of actually asking God, what do you want me to do here? What do you see here? How do you see this person in this situation? And what, if anything, am I to do about that? 
right? Because we think that, I've heard it over and over again, and I'm not knocking it, that God has given us brains, and right, and we have common sense, and we should all know how generally things work and use our common sense to figure it out, right? But what if common sense doesn't look like common sense? What if there's a child walking outside without a coat on, and you go, well, that seems odd that kids should know. It's common sense, right? It's cold outside. You put a coat on. What if his parent just passed away and he doesn't have anyone to tell him and remind him to put his coat on? Or what if, what if he does have a coat? What if, I, you know, what if I see someone walking and I go, oh, they have a coat, and God goes, I want you to stop that person and give them your coat. And you're like, that's crazy. They have a coat on. What are you talking about? But what I don't know is maybe they borrowed that from a neighbor. Maybe that coat doesn't actually belong to them, and they were only able to use it for that day, right? Our common sense is not always what we think it is because, as Paul says, we can only see in part. We can only see through the window, through the glass, dimly, in part. So we see a couple of examples of this in Scripture. And my favorite, one of my favorites, is in John. John is... I've been joking with the teaching team, like, my spirit animal. Like, if that was a thing, if I believed in that, like, I believe John and I have some soul tie way, 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 from way, way back. Especially when Jesus calls him one of the sons of thunder. Because I'm all about, all right, God, you strike that person right there, just as they are, boom. I'll tell you what to do, right? And this is how I am. I'll tell you what I want you to do in this situation. Or I'll tell you... And then you tell me what I want to hear, right? We do that too. So in the book of John, he's describing a scenario. In John chapter 11, feel free to get your Bibles out. I'm going to use my phone, and i sorry again, I don't have a slide. <laughs> so here we are. So we'll start right at verse 1, John 11, the death of Lazarus. You've probably heard this story. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And you probably already know this too, but these are some of God's people, some of Jesus' people while he's here on earth. Lazarus and Mary and Martha were very close to him, and he loved them dearly. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. She knew him intimately. That action is not something that you would just do with a neighbor. That is somebody that you have known in ways you can't explain, like that person that can finish your sentences or knows what you're thinking about a situation before you've even said it out loud. So, of course, the sisters send word to Jesus. Come quick. Your brother, the one you love, one of us is sick. And Jesus heard this and said, this sickness will not end in death. Now, you know that story, and that's not true, right? Common sense, if I know this story, I've heard this story, we know Lazarus does die. What? No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. It goes on to say, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So anytime the Bible says something more than once, I think you all know this, Bible 101, if it says it more than once, that's important, 
right? So we hear again how much Jesus loves them. And he heard that Lazarus was sick, and he stayed two more days. Now, if I was God, I'd probably leave a little sooner than that. I probably, if I really love somebody, if I knew that somebody I was deeply connected to, deeply loved, was gravely ill, I think I might take off and go see that person. But that's not what he does. In fact, not only does he stay where he is, but he says, let's go back to Judea. We're not even going to go near. We're not even going to go that direction. He's over there. We're over here. Okay, see ya. <laughs> and they said, Rabbi, are you crazy? A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and you're going back. And I have to think that they are like, and also, wait a minute, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not see, or excuse me, will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. They see by their own common sense. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. See, this is why I love John. This is the kind of stuff I would write, too. Like, yes, yeah, see, but what had happened was um, we thought he was just going to sleep, and so he's going to wake up, and everything's good, right? Like, if he's asleep, just let him sleep. Okay, that makes sense. But then Jesus says to them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. <laughs> this is why I love it. I love, yes, family, yes. Thank you for saying that out loud. What? What? You let Lazarus die? What? That doesn't even make any common sense. If that's your brother, if that's the person you, one of the people you love most in the world, you just let him go like that? As if it were, like, easy, right? To try to show us something? What? That does not make any sense. And Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, let us also go, that we may die with him. And the story goes on here. I'm going to just summarize that Jesus found Lazarus, and he'd already been in the tomb for four days. And I have to wonder, I know we know that means four days, but how quickly he was entombed after he died. I mean, I don't know if I didn't look this up because, again, I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry, but um, I don't know how quickly they prepare the body if they leave it for a day and prepare it and then entomb it. So I don't know if this is actually a literal, like, four days he'd been in the tomb, or maybe it was closer to five or six. But the point is, he was rotting 
And also, that it is it takes a week. The Jewish tradition is for their week of grieving. So they were well into the deepest parts of their grief. And many Jews had come to comfort these sisters. It's also unusual for people to, in grief, if the grieving family is grieving, everyone else kind of takes care of them. It's unusual for the grieving family to get up and do anything. That's kind of how the community lets them grieve, is to just take care of them. But we see here that Martha runs out and meets Jesus. And don't we want to do that too? Run out and see Jesus and go, what? <laughs> what? You let my brother die? You could have come. You could have been here. You could have done this. And how angry must she have felt? We want to paint it as she was sad, and I'm sure she was. But you have to think, there's so many mixed emotions and grief. And of course, the first one I would go to is anger. You know who he is. We told you he was sick. What are you doing taking your sweet time? You should have been here. You could have, you could have said something from far away and healed him. I mean, there's so many what ifs. Why didn't you? And don't we do that? God, where are you? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you? And we don't even see what he's up to yet because we can't understand it. And Jesus tells her what he's about to do. Hey, guess what? I'm going to raise him again. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I know you're going to do that someday. I mean, we're all going to. You've talked about this before, right? And here we go again with that common sense. Common sense tells me that, yes, some, someday when I read scripture, Jesus will return and we will be like him and we'll be raised up and brought up to heaven. Right? That's what Martha's saying. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And fam, he's talking about dying to ourselves and our common sense. Now, this does not mean not putting your shoes on in the morning. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about looking at a situation and thinking you understand it. And you don't. And acting out of a place of your own understanding and it is so easy, if I'm honest, it is all I want to do in parenting. Give me the parenting books. Tell me what to do. And just, like, give me the step-by-step -step instructions for these children. But I don't know what to do when they malfunction because I can't see it all. I can't see that my kid didn't sleep well the night before and they're tired. I can't see that they're wrestling with something at school that we haven't had a chance to talk about and they're acting out in frustration. I can't see everything. And Jesus says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. And after she said this, and she grabs Mary and says, Rabbi is here. He wants to talk to you. And fam, that's what we have to do for each other. Rabbi is here. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. 
He wants to talk to you. And it will look different. It will look different. But the important thing to know is that the living God wants to talk to you, wants you to see his face shine in delight that you are here with him and you are aware of him. And we want to hide from that. We want to run from that because it's so easy to think I have to get myself right first, right? I got to figure this out. I got to, let me get my shoes on. Let me do all the things that, you know, you've told me to do. Let me get everything right like scripture says. And then I'll come to you, right? Then why would we need him? Why do we need him if we know better? If we've got it all figured out? Lastly, as the story progresses, Mary hits that sadness that Martha is feeling under her anger. God, where were you? Why did you have to let him die? And Jesus sees that in her face and he cries with her. And that's how he sees you. He sees that place and he's crying with you and he just wants you to turn your face and look at him because he is going to reflect back to you that you're not alone. And finally, and most amazingly, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He opens that tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And God is glorified. And God will always be glorified. But he's not just glorified in the resurrection. He's also glorified when you look for him and act or speak or pray over or whatever he has you to do for the situation, for that person. He's glorified in the little things. He is glorified in the big things and glorified in the little things. But the important thing is, did he tell you to do it? Did he tell you to do it? He could have opened that tomb on his own. He told them to roll back the stone. He could have moved it. And if we're honest, what it boils down to is, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you'll handle this the way I want you to. I don't trust that the people you put in charge of this will handle it the way I think they do. Right? We don't trust because we're so busy. We're so caught up in overwhelm and chaos and we can't hear. We don't make room to hear. We don't slow down to hear. Jesus shared with me in all of this too with this way, that my way of seeing things and my way of wanting to do things, he told me the enemy will use your yes against you 
The spirit of religion wants you to say yes to everything. It wants to keep you busy. It wants to keep you distracted. It wants to keep you in overwhelm because then you can't hear your father. And he promised us, my sheep will know me and they will hear my voice. And we can't hear his voice, fam, if we're too busy to listen. If I'm too wrapped up in what I have going on because I think it's what I'm supposed to do and we will slap a holy label on it and call it good, right? We will. And he is saying, I just wanted you to come sit at my feet. I just wanted you to pour perfume over my feet and be with me. I didn't ask you to do all of that. I've got that. I'll take care of them. So as I like to do, I like to make y'all practice. I firmly believe wholeheartedly with every fiber of my being that I exist in this world to teach people how to hear from God for themselves. I can say all the things we can talk all the things we want to talk about. We can read all the scripture. And I am not knocking any of those tools. But at the end of the day, if we are putting those tools above living, if we are putting those tools on the same level, in the same playing field as the Trinity, fam, we got that wrong. Those tools are important. Read scripture so you know who God is. But that's not the only way he speaks. Sing worship songs so you can feel your spirit, rejoice in him. But that's not the only way he speaks. Listen to good teaching, have people encourage you and tell you what to do. But that's not the only way he speaks. He speaks to each of us. If we will slow down, if we will learn to hear his voice. And it's not necessarily a thundering boom, although I believe he can do that. I've had those moments. I call it his temple voice. <clears throat> he gets serious. He's like, listen. Like with the slides. Daughter, I said nothing. Prepare nothing. And I'm like, okay, okay, dad, okay. <laughs> so what we're going to do <clears throat> is I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. Take a deep breath. you to just focus on a memory or a place of appreciation. And Lord, we invite you to bring that to our minds.
Jesus deep inside of you. And this is his promise to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us even in the hard things. This peace that you feel, hopefully, is something you can have with you day in and day out. In the midst of suffering, when my child is having a meltdown and falling out on the floor in front of everyone on a Sunday morning, I can take a deep breath. Jesus, where are you? And I can feel his peace. It takes practice. It's not something that you may get right away or all the time, but I encourage you to keep trying, just like a muscle. And you know me, I'll probably have us do this almost every time I'm up here. (laughs) It just feels too good. So to wrap up for today, one thing I've noticed, um, we, about a month, month and a half ago, tribes family join us and we haven't really had an opportunity to like actually get to have some joy and just be glad to be together and I've been praying about this and asking God like would he want us to start some joy gatherings is the idea he gave me and I think we will but I think also making space for that when we're already here on Sunday mornings is really important I mean God loves his family and he wants each of us to not only feel known by him but to be known by his people. And my introverted self does not like meeting new people. But the difference in here is the whole point of coming here, the whole point of being a part of this family is to be known. We want you to feel like you are seen and you are known here, not just by the Father, but by us. So what I want us to do as we close out today, I'm not going to force anybody. This is an invitation. God gave me that, that phrase. This is an invitation, not an obligation. I love that about him. He's always inviting us, inviting us, inviting us, inviting us, inviting us. And he never runs out of patience. At some point, I would just be like, you're not welcome anymore. But he doesn't do that. So this is an invitation, not an obligation, but I would encourage you to please go out of your way to at least meet two people you haven't met before. And if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit of what God shared with you, we call that passing the peace. What we're doing is we're feeling his peace. And then when we get to pass that peace to other family members, we get to feel joy. We get to see our faces as we're both glad to be together and hear about what God is doing. So if you would please do that for me, I would so appreciate it. But like I said, it's not an obligation. If you also just need to sit and rest, you can do that as well. Or if you feel like you need to head out, that's also okay. So before we do that, I just want to pray a blessing over you. And then we will spend, you know, if you can hang out for 10 minutes and do that, great. If not, that's fine. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Excuse me, our time to be together. Thank you for how wonderful you are and supernatural and amazing and awe-inspiring. 
Thank you that you desire to be intimately connected with each and every one of us and that you care. You care greatly about what affects us and what impacts us. You care about what we're carrying. You care about what we're excited about. You care about the things we're afraid of. You care about every little thing that matters to us. And you just ask us to simply look for you in it, to just be with you in it. And I just pray a blessing over my brothers and sisters, Father, that you would show them more and more and more of who you are and they would feel your peace and overabundance, Father, and that it would flow out of them to be able to share your incredible peace with others around them, Lord. And that in this way, we can also be a light in the world. I pray for their week, whatever is coming ahead, God. I just ask that you would continue to guide listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.